first of all, this is a venting session. This is a, I am mad. This is a, I can't believe they did that. But before we go on to that, welcome to episode 7 of Sports Junkies HQ. And thank you for coming back to me. Listen up. So, so you're wondering to yourself, what would make a grown man this angry? One word, rather three words. Arsenal Football Club. Yep. That red and white army. That also... Wonderful club that produced the Invincibles. Yeah. Angry. I'm angry because I feel like the club hates me. Well, hates the fan base, rather. But I'm just trying to make it more personal. I feel like the club hates us. I feel like the club hates us because they enjoy... The agony of seeing us suffer. Like, does that make sense to you? I'm sure it does. Anyway, let me continue. The club hates us. The club hates us because, and not because of recent events, no. Definitely not because of recent events. Ah, recent events. If... The most you've been hurt by Arsenal Football Club is because of recent events. You're probably a new fan. If you are, welcome. Welcome to the suffering. Because as someone who's been a fan since like the early 2000s, I'm fairly new in relation to people who've been like, you know, fans since birth. But I do consider myself a, a fan since birth. Anyway, as a person who's been a fan of Arsenal since the early 2000s, I'll tell you one thing. This club might not be consistent in terms of winning, but in terms of hurting us, consistent. Oh my God. Arsenal is consistent. Until if you survived the Wenger era, if you survived the Wenger era, one thing I'll tell you is that firstly, put that in your CV. You're a survivor. You made it because goodness gracious. Arsene Wenger, one of the greatest managers Arsenal has ever had. Right. One of the greatest, arguably also one of the greatest in the Premier League, just below Sir Alex. Arsene Wenger was... A manager for way too long literally like probably four or five years too long he should have just like started grooming his mentor i mean mentee and you know become like a club director head of like whatever like anything but our manager because he basically created this current mess 
that we're in as a club. I'll explain to you why. He created it because he created the lack of urgency from the board. Yep, that's the Arsenal board. He created that lack of urgency because he was the same manager. Summer transfer after summer transfer did not improve the squad to the level of winning the Premier League trophy. In fact, one of his chief statements was being number four is almost like winning a trophy. Imagine that. That That is nonsense. Being number four, you're not even number three or two, just number four. Being like a, being like a trophy. Being in the Champions League, it made you really wonder. What the heck is the vision for the club? Not even just like from a Wenger's point of view, but like just like from the executive, from the owners. Like where do they see Arsenal in 5 to 10 years? It was very unclear because I feel like they just enjoyed the money that was coming in from us some seasons just scraping into the UEFA Champions League. Because UEFA give like UEFA Champions Leagues, you get a lot of money. Um group stages, quarterfinals and all those kind of things. You you get a lot of money. So they just enjoyed their dividends but never fully invested back into the team. Never invested enough to create a core structure or a core team or a core identity that anyone who follows would then pick up and say, I am following in Arsene Wenger's legacy, right? Because that's what, as a manager, you probably should want, especially if you love a club. Like, he definitely loves Arsenal, but how he managed his last years, you could just tell that this was a manager that was very much out of touch with where with where a lot of the other managers and a lot of the other clubs were going. Because if he was in touch, he would have laid the foundation early for a new breed of players, for a more focused approach in the summer transfer window that would eventually lead to a... Um, you know, to a better Arsenal team in the coming years. Fine, I get it. Money has always been the issue at Arsenal. Money has always been the issue at Arsenal. I'll repeat this for the third time. Money has always been an issue at the Arsenal. Yet, we've always had to buy, we've always had big money to spend on strikers. Love me a player that can score goals. Love Aubameyang. Loved Giroud when he pulled up. But my God, surely we can't outscore every single team, every single year. It don't even make sense. Like, and my issue is, I don't know where Wenger got the idea that it was great for a team to almost fit, to almost fit a very Spanish 
way of football, like an English team fitting a very Spanish way of football, right? And trust me, I love possession football. I love the one-two touches and all those kind of things. But when you buy players of a set of a certain stature and a certain build, and you try and adapt um, tiki-taka football onto the Premier League, it clearly has not worked. Not you can't show me one team that plays tiki-taka football in the Premier League that is successful. In fact, I genuinely feel there's a formula for um, great or rather good Premier League teams and the Invincibles were like that formula in its like prime example. Even Manchester United teams, there's been a formula. Those teams have always been hard to break down. That what that's what makes a great Premier League team, especially in the top six. Like you can't just go to that club's stadium and just like you know whoop them, which which has happened to Arsenal. It has happened to us so many. Times I said so many times I lost count. You remember that eight-two whooping by Man United? Granted, it wasn't at the Emirates, but an eight-two whooping. Oh my God! But yes, Arsene Wenger. He was the chief architect of Arsenal's incredible rise, and I genuinely feel Arsenal's incredible you know dip i don't want to say fall because i mean geez let's relax incredible dip and and not just because of how he coached or whatever but mainly because of the level of um the level of attitude that players had uh, uh, like around wenger i guess in the sense that Wenger, you you almost got the sense that Wenger really didn't demand as much from players, even on the training ground and on the field in itself, as one would expect from a manager at that level. Like, so Alex's like famous rant where he, you know, he 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 took a um a blow dryer, and he threw it at David Beckham, and. Look, that might have been too much, but it shows a certain level of demand. Like you either de- like it's a it's a, it's a non-negotiable. Like you have to perform at a certain level to be at this club. Otherwise, you are not going to be part of the plans in the future. It's it's horrible. It's a horrible way to treat people. Horrible way to treat players, but you're getting paid huge amounts of money and you can't be slacking on the job. Like, you genuinely can't be. Like, you're allowed one, two, three, four bad days. But when your bad day includes an 8-2 defeat, something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong. And that 8-2 defeat was under Wenger. Those were the horrible times. And even during that time, the board still supported Arsene Wenger. 
madness. I, I don't know how a person... And the thing is, not even just like... I look at it from both a sporting and business perspective because at the end of the day, Arsenal's a business. I don't want I, I it to, you know, get mixed up where it's like, no, but, you know, in terms of what he's done for the club, great, done a lot. But Arsenal's a business and any business has to make decisions that are good for the long-term viability of the business. Arsene Wenger was not good for the long-term viability of Arsenal. He stopped being good the moment, within 18 months, he sold off the entire Invincibles team. You could barely see, you could, you could barely see it. You could barely see, um, uh, you could barely recognize Arsenal like after 18 months when Wenger was done. And, you know, it's in the past, it's whatever, but, you know, that... That has almost that was almost the domino that led us to where we are currently with Mikel Arteta. Now, after Wenger left, after Wenger left, a certain Unai Emery came. Right, I'm already skipping straight to Unai Emery because look, Veng, Wenger's tenure is literally an episode in on itself that includes a breakdown of every single season that Wenger has both slacked as a manager and slacked as a, a winner. He slacked as a winner. That's it. That, that's it right there. So when Wenger left, he obviously approved of Unai Emery because I'm, like Wenger was in the position where he could pick his own successor. So Unai Emery at um, at PSG and was like, I like him. Let's bring him through. Now, what were Unai Emery's credentials? I feel like that's how you know that the club was aiming a bit too low. What were Unai Emery's credentials? Right. Unai had done incredibly well with Sevilla in the Europa League. I think he won two or three Europa League finals. Eventually moved to PSG. Now, a lot of people mentioned that Unai Emery was great at Sevilla, Europa League, and all those kind of things. In the back of my mind, I was always like, how did he do in the Champions League? Because we were a Champions League team, my mind was there and not at Europa League because we have no business in the Europa League where we're playing in a backwater town somewhere in Poland where it's so cold, people have to wear gloves and scarves just to you know play football. It's madness. It was complete madness. But anyway, Unai Emery came. First season. I won't lie, it wasn't too bad. It genuinely wasn't. In fact, I thought he might be the manager we hold on to for, you know, a few years. Because I'm like, this is your first season and you're already doing this well. Um, the club obviously did not, how can I put this, did not reach the heights of pre-Venga years. 
and by that I mean UEFA Champions League qualification, right? So we're clear. We were just looking at the Europa League um, competition to get us back into the UEFA Champions League. That's also another sign right next to madness. Anyway, we get to the UEFA Champ- to the Europa League final. Oh my God, Baku. Think that's where the final was. Yes, Baku. First of all, Arsenal fans could believe in go there, but you know, but that's beside the fact. We get there to the UEFA to the Europa League final, and do we not get whooped by Chelsea? Do we? Man, it's one thing to lose a final. One thing to lose a final. To lose like that is, is is criminal. I'll say it. It's criminal because you almost get the feeling that you almost got the feeling while watching that match that well damn this this is this is the peak of the down, downward spiral. Like, we had reached a point where things were so bad that losing 4-1 in a Europa League final was just like, was well, supposedly the last straw where you're like, my God, things things probably cannot get any worse than this. Because also... I don't think you would be as proud of winning the UEFA Champions League. I mean, uh, the Europa, the Europa League, because the Europa League is, look, there's a reason the Champions League is like where everyone wants to be. And I'm not going to hate on the Europa Champions League because currently this season, I doubt we're going to make it in there, which is, I think, a good thing. But anyway... That final for me felt like the final nail in the coffin as an Arsenal fan. Because I'm like, we have literally sunk to the bottom of the bottoms as a top flight club. As a top flight club, we're horrible. Because it's one thing to lose 2-1. In a final. To lose 4-1. It means that. The players themselves. Just switched off. How do you even switch off in a final? That's like one of the biggest games. In, in a lot of players lives. Because some players. That's, that's, that's the last game they play. And you know. In a season. Um, unless it's like FA Cup. And all those kind of things. And um, you know. Um. Liga de España and all those kind of things. It's the last games they play because they get bored or they move or, or whatever. So obviously you think that this final, like in a final, players would be switched on or whatever. I don't know what the issue was. I don't know whether it was the tactics. I don't know whether it was the manager. All I know is when that 4-1 at the end of the match, I looked at it and I was like, shit. 
appreciate. This is the culmination of many years of a club that has neglected to really strive to be a top flight team. That's what I thought. Because if you're a top flight team, you truly understand that there's certain things you need to fix in both the club and the players that you have. Like, it becomes very evident from when you watch the players play that some of these players are really not up to scratch. Like, they're not the type of players that are, you know, at a certain level or caliber. That's not, and that's not hate to any player because, you know, being a player in general is probably not the easiest thing. Like, I've played sports before. All the training and all those kind of things, it's incredibly hard. And imagine at 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 a top light uh, uh, top flight level, um, it probably even becomes even worse because it's uh, the pressures of this of that, having to perform week in week out. But at the end of the day, that's why you're there it's because you could cut it. But if you get to a certain club and you don't cut it, how does the manager? How does the club, let me not even say the manager, how does the club not look at the performances and say, damn, things have to change. We need to start a new project, right? We need to start a project of rebuilding the squad, of reinvesting in the squad by making making sales. But what does Arsenal do? Firstly, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey lives for free. One of our best midfielders in a long while, since Sisk, um, in a long while, he lives on a free. Because why? They don't want to give the man a new contract. I don't understand why. It probably still doesn't even make sense to Ramsey. I don't know what the transfer policy at Arsenal is in terms of giving contract renewals. But it needs to get thrown out that door because it makes no sense. It makes no sense because Aaron Ramsey was shifted out of the club yet Masut Ozil remained from interviews Ramsey um, um, no, no, Unai Emery said that um, he had spoken to Ramsey and told him that um, he wasn't really part of his plans and why what plans what plans what plans because the moment the season started you could just see like disarray at arsenal that man Onai emery switched he switched tactics he switched formation so many times you just like you started wondering to yourself like what the heck Arsenal trying to do like like what's the vision here like yeah we we got Pepe and even then he still admitted no I wanted um you know Wilfred Zaha and I wouldn't have been mad at that Wilfred Zaha is an incredible player I love him 
love him. But even if he had been in the squad, would you have known how to best utilize him? Doubt it. Doubt it because all Emery could do was beef with Mesut Ozil, create some lackadaisical um, captains uh, group or whatever, and players had to in players had to vote. It was just like it was too much. Anyway, so Emery's season obviously it had to be disastrous. Like it was just like written on the wall. The players revolted. Um, like he had to go. There was literally no other choice. He started off well, but look, he had to go. He had to go for the benefit of the club. But even then, even the fans at Emirates had to start not going to the matches before the Arsenal board actually listened to the fans. Yep. How do you how does like a club ne, watch their fans protest against them and still not get the idea that fans obviously want something way more and by way more I don't just mean a new manager but like an actual project where the 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 board and the executive and you know the owners really you know they come very transparent um they they tell you what we want what they want and all those kind of things instead what did we get i'll wait we got nothing we got nothing but empty promises and We got nothing but empty promises and a team that was morally defeated. Yeah. Arsenal is just a team that is morally defeated. I don't think those like players understand what it means to play for the badge. Because for them it's you know, it's it's just madness after madness after madness. Um so, Emery leaves, Arteta comes in. Now, I'm not going to speak ill of Arteta. Definitely not going to speak ill because what Arteta has done in the few months that he's been at Arsenal has been incredible. The mere fact that we're at the position that we are at is all thanks to Arteta and what he came in and did. You could see from the way he started speaking where he was talking about attitude, where he was talking about, you know, players putting in all the, you know, the effort, all those kind of things. Those are things you want to hear from, you know, your, your, um, from, you know, your manager. Hopefully also from your, um, from, from your board and executive and all those kind of things. But obviously... Didn't get too much of that from them, but it's whatever we move. Anyway, now Ateta's in there, and um, he obviously in inherited like a like a, an average team by Arsenal standards. 
he inherited an average team by Arsenal standards, but you got the feeling that Arteta was is moving us in the right direction. But what remains, and um, as much as we can, you know, say a lot about the individual players, what remains is there's a there's an attitude the entire club that is very reluctant to to change if i can put it like that a lot of it's it's almost like the club as i said in the beginning enjoys to see us suffer and it's madness it's what we witnessed against um man city where david louise came in for 25 minutes resulted in a goal, resulted in a penalty that had him sent off, left the squad to, uh, left the team with one man down, having to defend, you know, what was already an insurmountable, you know, um, scoreline against a very good Man City team. Yet the club this week decides to give Luis a one-year contract extension. Luis is 33 very mistake prone in fact he holds the records for the amount of mistakes and red cards and stuff in the box i don't know what the arsenal hierarchy are waiting for to put together a plan because the thing is they keep saying no louise falls into the plans of that we have and the project that we... Luis is 33. He's not even good on the field. As a young player, I'm not listening to no person that's not even good on the field. Like, you're giving me pointers, but you can't even focus on the field and you're costing the team, like, actual games. Nah, bruh. Nah. But yeah, I guess that's the dilemma we find ourselves in right now. Thought I'd just give like a, a a background of how we got here. Essentially, um, it's it's really it's it's infuriating because you know they can do better. We have the most infuriating thing about Arsenal, and it's always what we joke about: is it's the hope that kills you, and the hope is in the individual players that we have: the Obama Yangs, the you know Pepe for me. Um, Bukayo Saka, um, those type of players, they really give you that hope that, damn, okay, if they can sort this out, maybe we can get like something together. But nope. Season after season, the club refuses to put money into the team in order to get the team where it needs to be. And, uh, it's infuriating. Look, it's one thing as a fan to be watching from halfway across the world. But as a person, as a fan who pays to go to the stadium and watch Arsenal not only play poorly, not only defend poorly, but consistently so in firstly away matches and often in home matches it does not make sense it's unfair 
and it's almost you you almost want to you know it's like walk in the door and just tell everyone like get your shit together like this is the club that produced the invincibles viera terry henry burkamp tony like guys how is the same club struggling just to get into the europa sheffield above us man never mind sheffield tottenham our biggest rivals are above us this is nauseating it it genuinely is nauseating and we have we're going to southampton playing against southampton and look you i've just been defeated so many times now i'm just like can we please just get to the end of the season and from there i can align my i can align my hopes in the team based on what they do in the transfer market if they do anything because i understand corona has hit a lot of budgets but damn chelsea clearly have not been hurt signing verna ziach so there's clearly something they not telling us um and hopefully our absent owner stan krunker instead of sending his son josh krunker actually pitches up and gets involved so i don't know guys that's 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 all i had to say um that's my rant um i'm just mad yo i'm just mad but yeah uh, i'll catch you on the flip side let me go watch some more football and ah <sighs> clearly tough times are lasting there by arsenal but you know what what gives me hope what gives me hope nope nothing i was i was literally trying to think of something that would give me hope but nope nothing oh oh wait pepe's goals of pepe blood clutch young love to see it anyway cheers guys bye